Welcome to David and David on Real Estate. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of the real estate market. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the David and David on Real Estate podcast. And today we are on episode number 68. And we have an amazing... Yeah. Yeah. We have to do something special for the next episode. I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. Tread lightly, gents. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's an homage to the highway to Perry Sound. How's that? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But we have with us Ron James. And Ron James, you are an elite coach with Kathleen Black. We're super excited um, to have you here today. And why don't we jump in? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah. So, uh Real estate was an interesting, you know, uh, elbow for me. It wasn't my first career, but um, I did start when I was 21. So this is my 40th year in the business. Um, I don't know that that's impressive to anybody, not even my mom. Um, and I've just figured out a whole bunch of ways on how not to do things. So I might not be an expert, but I, I know about all the puddles and where the mistakes are. Well, you, you must be doing something right. You've got a beautiful backdrop there <laughs> and setting it's a lot nicer than where i am right now so maybe tell us where you are okay well i'm in welland ontario and this is fake <laughs> 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 yeah it, it isn't as impressive as it you know looks on screen um david and i were just chatting about that that we can change the optics by you know creating a persona where if you're coaching with me it's like you know, this is like walking into the therapist's office. It's comfortable. There's Kleenex and uh, we're going to laugh, cry and learn all at the same time. So I have a few of these backgrounds, some ready for Christmas, you know, some ready for people that are on holidays and it makes a difference. You know, I, I guess where they feel comfortable sharing their innermost secrets of their success in business and of course, areas that they want to see improved. So yeah, there no, we go. It's, it's a great backdrop. Thank you. Um, I, I have one other question before I want to hear more about your your background leading up to you know getting into coaching and everything. We'll get to that. But I know a bunch of other Rons. I don't know any other Rons that have two Ns. How did you get an extra N? That's what it is. Uh, again, fake. You know, uh, that Ron situation. One day I was just bored out of my mind as a, as a younger realtor, and I added an extra N. And then when I started my real estate career, I had a different last name only to find out when I was 30, nine years after I had been a realtor, that that wasn't my last name. It was an adopted last name. The person whose last name I carried for many, many, many years wasn't a biological father. So I just shortened the name from my crazy last name to James, which was my middle name. So Ron James became my whole name. I don't have a middle name. But uh, my kids um, are the first generation of Jameses. So they kind of go, oh, Jameses, uh, you must be related to the, no, we are first generation James. <laughs> yeah, so, you could have picked yeah. Smith. Yes, I could have. I actually was kicking around the idea of St. James. And then it was just so many chortles from people that knew me. They're like, we can't use the word saint and you in the same sentence. So <laughs> just go with James. And I will tell you that you get better tables at restaurant with a name like Ron James as opposed to Ron Schmutzer. Um, they always seat you by the kitchen. Don't know why. It just yeah. happens that way. So, yeah, I get I get that experience often. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It depends on the restaurant. If they're Greek, you're sitting in the back anyway. So <laughs> that's where it is. Yeah, that's how I got my crazy name. Although I get asked on a regular basis, if I'm that Ron James, the comedian from the East Coast, the Nova Scotia uh, comedian, and I had the pleasure of introducing Ron James on stage at a Scotia event, because they thought it would be a great idea to have Ron James introduce Ron James. <laughs> yeah, Ron James didn't think it was a good idea, no. but uh, <laughs> everybody else had a good time. So, and when I first, I had sold real estate in Hamilton for a year, uh, they had a real estate lawyer there by the name of Ron James. Well, he wasn't overly well liked. So <laughs> when I would be phoning, leaving messages for other agents and trying to book appointments, right? People wouldn't be calling me back. And I'm like, what the hell? Why isn't everybody calling me back? They're like, well, two reasons. One, they all think it's Ron James, the lawyer at this point, And they're more frightened because Ron James, the lawyer is dead. 
<laughs> so what the hell is Ron James doing calling me? Because he's calling from the nether side. <laughs> so, yeah, it was fun. Ron, obviously, you know, coaching and giving back is is really important. And uh, uh, we're seeing that a lot in the industry where people have been here for a really long time and it's their way of giving back. But tell us, I mean, you know, you mentioned that people come in and there's a Kleenex box in your office. Chairs are really comfortable. What do you see happening out there right now in the marketplace with uh, with realtors? And, you know, how are they kind of uh, approaching our current market? So, uh and this is the great quorum to be in, to have that conversation. Um, I, you know, when I started uh, March 10th, 1982, it was, it was a job. Like my broker of record was my boss. We showed up at nine, we worked till nine, Monday to Thursday. And then on Fridays, it was a nine to six. You had to be working on Saturday. It was kind of a mandated thing, nine to five, nine to six, right? Sundays were off because of the Lord's Day Act at this point in time, but we had a job. Like we were expected to show up. If you didn't show up, there was a phone call home from front desk. What's going on? When are you going to be coming in? Oh, I'm under the weather. Well, how long? Come back in. This is a sales job. So if you weren't out, you know, beating the pavement with door knocking and flyer delivery and that kind of idea, right? You were back at the office making calls. So we were actually taught the craft of real estate where I guess I was fortunate enough to be in an office that really kind of invested in his people. So they taught me things like how to show a property, how to have an open house, etc. I work with teams now and people that can actually create wonderful GCI, like millions of dollars in commissions that haven't got a clue. They don't know how to show a property. They don't know how to qualify somebody at this point. It's just Uber real estate, right? Let's go look at 50 houses until you pick one that you can say yes to. We weren't taught to kind of look at 50 houses. We were taught to show five, right? And try to figure out from there, you know, where we pivot. It was just a big game of hot, cold. Are we getting close? Are we not getting close? And that was done by a lot of qualifying questions, really understanding who the client was, doing some solid intake at the beginning. Right now, it's like, they want to go look at houses? Get in the car. Yeah, I pardon me. Go get in your car because we used to take you in ours. Now you don't get in mine. Hey, I got a BMW. I don't want your people in my, in my car. So it was different. And then it morphed to the point where we are today. So when I'm watching things like, you know, real estate hacks and people are all having what we would, you know, many of us would kind of go, this is a stupid question. Why are you asking this? You should know better. You should be, you know, this isn't real estate 101, but apparently it is. Nobody's showing anybody anymore. There is no apprenticeship in this craft. There is no mentoring, right? So every time I see that, I'm going, job security, they need coaches. This is excellent. Be stupid. But they can be better. So, I mean, David, you're you're a broker of record. I mean, you know, how many times are we having regular, daily, weekly, full-on training in office? This is how we do this. This is how we do this. Where are the senior agents as mentors leading the charge, inspiring the troops? It's not there. Yeah, I'm a broker broker owner. We have a broker record uh, here at the company. Uh, that's Sabia Ali. But you're absolutely right. And um, you know, I was very fortunate because when I got my real estate license 16 uh, years ago, uh, my broker of record at the time um, lost his driver license, and I became his personal driver. So for the first nine months in the industry, from seven in the morning until nine p.m. at night, seven days a week. I was there. I was, uh, you know, watching him interact with his clients. I was watching him do multiple offers presentations. I was watching him do listing presentations. But more than that, you know, that broker of record owned 46 skyscrapers in Toronto, apartment buildings. So I watched him interact with his superintendents at the building, with his tenants. I watched how he converted his tenants uh, into buyer clients. Uh, so I got an unprecedented um, head start in this industry. And I cannot imagine any realtor coming into the industry without that level of education uh, and experience. And one of the reasons why I bought and, and became an owner of Sutton Summit Realty is because, you know, I realized that there's such a huge gap in training and education in the industry. And I wanted to give back to my agents what was originally given to me because I cannot imagine anybody coming into this industry 
and transacting and helping people um, navigate the complexities of our market without that level of support and education. Well, we see it. Uh, you know, all you need to do is sit on a, and I know I'm making a real slash at the 25,000 member folks over at Real Estate Hacks, but we see some real basic questions where we're like, dude, seriously, you shouldn't be on this form. You have a broker to record. You should be going, you know, home first before you come here and be asking this stuff. Every time. Uh, it's interesting to hear your story uh, because do you know who else had the very similar story to what you've just shared? Was Craig Proctor. Craig Proctor was uh, a chauffeur for one year and had a, a mentor such as yourself at this point that was a big dog in their field. And for a year, he spent, you know, you know, belly button to belly button with this person being his valet, right, through this. And what Craig did was he said, I'm going to go get investors, right? So he raised a quarter million dollars to start a real estate brand, mm. right? And he said, I will be number one in three years, and I will make sure that the payback on your dividend is, you know, X dollars. Well, he went to number one worldwide in less than three years, not just in his area, not just in the country, in the world, right? The day he started, the day he pulled the trigger on Craig Proctor real estate, right? He had 12 people. They were all on computers. They had the whole city of Newmarket had a bus shelter with his picture on it with the gimme. You signed up for this 1-800-TELEHOP number so you could call into Toronto from Newmarket at no cost because it was a long distance call when he was there. He paid for this telehop number and gave it away for free in Newmarket. He literally became the number one real estate agent in his market in Toronto in one day. Well, right. Well, uh, who could do that today? Right. This is the situation. I think as it is right now, Treb stats, somebody starts in real estate, you're easily going to be a $15,000 expense to get into the business. And it's going up, by the way, according to Humber, uh, $20,000 entry in. And you're lucky to kind of survive the first seven months. And then you're back to being a barista at Starbucks. Yay. Well, you know, listening to the two of you and, and I, and I'm, I try and keep my thumb on the industry and see what's going on. And David and I talk about it all the time. Like, you know, I know for a fact what goes on in his office, his brokerage about trying to make training available making sessions available seminars webinars i'm i'm part of that i've been i've been there for training sessions and i'm available and do we do all that it's available and and other brokerages too some of you know some are better than others obviously but it's the old adage you know you can lead a, a horse to water right 100%. but how do you make them drink it right so yeah. at, from from the brokers and you got to make it available i think it's critical like there's a lot of it's one of the reasons we do this podcast. We're trying to help elevate the bar and elevate the standards, make material available, have the discussions. But you still have to, you know, people still have to watch it. People have to attend the events and take advantage of it. How do you get them? How do you, Ron, encourage them as part of your coaching and training to like that they got to do this? This is essential to their business. Yeah. And that's a great question, David. Uh, and thank you for that observation. Um, we see it as well. When I first started coaching with Kathleen Black, which was uh, four years ago, I'll tell you a little bit story about how I got there because that's kind of fun. But, uh, you know, we come in, we have, Kathleen has built a vault. It's 10 years of real estate training, right? That if you actually followed it and applied, you could have the benefit of that 10 years worth of education in as little as two, 24 months. But you got to do the work, right? So if you don't do the work, it's going to take you 10 years, the same time it took to kind of evolve that vault. So people come in and when I first started coaching there, it'd be like, okay, so David, I'm going to give you this homework to do. So on our next call at this point in time, you're going to kind of show me what you've done with it. So you come on to the next call and I'm like, so homework, what do you got? Oh, nothing. Oh yeah. Well, we were busy and no, the, uh, the, you know, I had a deal and we wrote the, an offer. The dog ate the homework. Dog okay. ate the homework. And <laughs> When I was new with the company, you know, I would kind of give you the stink eye, like, hey, you got to get it done. <laughs> and then I started realizing, you're right, I can bring you to the well, but 
but I can't make you thirsty and I can't make you drink, right? You're an adult. You either decide to want this or you don't. So because it would be chronic, because they're realtors, they're people pleasers, they're not paper pushers at this point, I would start to kind of find out right in the very beginning on our first call. And what normally would happen uh, is that I would ask this question. This question was, what happened in the last 90 days that had you kind of go, enough, this is bullshit. I'm gonna hire a coach, I'm gonna follow a system or even develop a system that I can follow to start changing the trajectory of my business. And I would say, what happened? There was an event, you either lost a big listing or you lost your parents house because you know the other agent was better. Whatever the case is, you had an event that had you rethink the, you know, the plan of your business, the direction of your business. Once they identify what that was, sorry, that's the Achilles tendon. And every time they stop doing homework, I squeeze the Achilles tendon, right? This is why you came here. This is why you said we needed to change what you were doing. So I've shown you how, but if you don't do the work, we're not going to see the movement. So it's up to you. I can't, I can't be your conscience. So, so Ron, that, I mean, I mean, this is fascinating because well, this whole concept of bringing the horse to water, but you know, can't make the horse drink. We struggle with this all the time. Mm -hmm. right? we, we have podcasts, we have webinars, we, we have events, like we sort of, you know, usher realtors down, down the path as much as we can, but you know, we can't make them drink the water. So understanding you know, what this trigger event is. And, and I mean, I, this trigger event would be different for every, every realtor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So understanding what that trigger event is and, and really, you know, honing in and, 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 and squeezing it and, and, and bringing it to light um, and using it as a motivational uh, a point is, is fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, came over time like I said uh, when they uh, with Kathleen she's got a prescribed beginning middle and an end training program right we've got modules that go week by week by week by week the challenge is here's the thing one of our first modules is vision values and goals right why are we doing this when are we doing this what does it matter at this point why we get it done if you're on fire I, I have no business I'm not making my payments me starting with vision, values, and goals may not be the brightest thing for me to do, right? I need to show you today how to go make a hundred bucks. So I'm going to skip the line and I'm going to go to a patch, right? So I can help you start making some money today, right? Yes, I'm going to have to circle back in to start create the infrastructure of your planning, right? But I have to be able to kind of read the room and figure out if you're on fire, right? And in some cases, that's where, you know, people say, well, you know, I never got any of that information from the vault. You did. We used it when you did this, this, and this. It's not called the same name, but what the principle was of the tool, we did use, right? This is what it looked like. This is when we used it with you. Oh, really? That was this? Yes, right? If you wanted to see the format of it, yeah, this is what you would teach your team to do, but this is how we used it for you. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Right. A lot of this situation is right. There's technique, there's skills and what you saw, right. Even watching the gentleman speak to his tenants, right. If, was he a dick? Was he rude? Right. Or did he actually have them kind of, you know, working with him? They liked this guy. Wow. Not a lot of tenants in Toronto could say that they love their landlord. So the point of the situation is, is that there was, a, there was some road smithing. Just giving you a book or text or a podcast or a video doesn't show you how to actually apply it in real life. So we run a, a session on Fridays with Kathleen every other Friday called Deal Dojo. And I've wanted to do this for a very long time. And it was to have a place, safe place where people could come in and role play. Right? What's my, my front talk? What do I say at open houses? What do I say at the door if I'm door knocking? What do I say in an offer situation? How do I actually sit down and, and craft an agreement across the table with somebody else? Like we don't present to the table. We're doing it via PDF. 
So how do I have conversation? How do I build rapport with the other side? How do I make a deal come together? Right? It's done by correspondence. How many people are really good at that? So we actually have a safe place for them to do it. And they're like, well, I don't like role playing because it's fake. Yeah, do it. Let's do it with live grenades then. Let's, let's see you go out with a live client that has the responsibility of possibly a fifteen dollars to $30,000 commission, and you're just going to wing it. What could go wrong? Let's go that way. Off to you. Or let's be prepared so we have a pretty good idea. And I'm a, ruthless, I'm a mean mother, let me tell you, when I'm on these calls. And the reason why is I have nothing to lose and neither do you. If I get you into a situation and I can pummel you onto the ropes, right, it's like you didn't lose any money. You know, you bled in practice, so you didn't kind of lose money at the table. Yeah, there's really nothing that the client can throw at the agent at that point. Nothing yeah. that they haven't seen. There's no, you know, underhook, uh, you know, straight right. Like they've they've all dodged it at the yep. uh, at the call with you. So now when they're getting a little jab, they're like, oh yeah, that doesn't hurt. Come come at me, right? And uh, yeah. and they're able to uh, pivot and adjust and. And, uh, and work through all the objections. Yeah. We, we should always take... going to be some rejection, right? That's a given. It's how you David, handle it. David, you, you're in the perfect position, right? I go through and I go through all of my law degree at this point in time. But if I don't article in an office to see how it's done, right? And learn from, you know, why yes. we do certain things, et cetera. Like, yeah. how good a lawyer am I going to be? Right. Right. Uh, you know, I guess it's doable, but you guys have been doing it right, right from the where we don't have an articling period. Like, it's just like, boom, you know, right. you're a realtor with a shingle. Yeah. I hope you know what the hell you're doing. Right. 100% right. You can't, you, there's no way you can like start practicing law the day you finish law school. You'd be right. useless. It, it's useless. It's useless. And, you know, an articling helps. But it's, you know, it was a full year pretty much when I did it. It's lesser uh, time period now. And and that helps a lot because you get practical exposure, but you're still not ready. You still need that mentorship for your first few years of practice. You still have to crawl and then learn how to walk and then learn how to run eventually and then and sprint. It's like anything else. And you, and you get that with, with coaching, with having leaders to, to help you along the way that are prepared to put the time in. And taking advantage of opportunities for, for coaching and leadership and training and things like that. It doesn't matter what the business is, the profession. I think that's what we all need. Well, and in that space, speaking on the lawyer's side, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just my imagination, but I've, I've never seen kind of a mass exodus of real estate lawyers becoming real estate litigation lawyers ever in 40 years like a real estate litigation lawyer, I didn't know what that was in 2017. I, I didn't even know it existed. And now it's it's a calling. Yeah, well, and for the, for the next few years, they're going to be the busiest uh, lawyers out there because of failed transactions. And, and we talk about that a lot on this podcast. And we're trying to find, you know, we talk about how do we keep the deals together to just to avoid litigation because... You know, and, and fortunately, the majority, we we were able to do that, but we work really hard for that because that's not a good process. But if there's a growing area for a lawyer right now, that's the area. You know, the, the lawyers that we refer litigation to, like, they're just swamped right now, and they, and they will be for a while, unfortunately. And, I mean, again, if I looked at it, you know, as an opportunity, right, I can make you know, I'm being somewhat facetious from the old days, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars as a file to close the deal, right? I'm now a real estate litigation lawyer. It's a $35,000 file. Right. Now there's some skin in the game. Now I'm in right. because one file, right? That's the same as 30 other real estate transactions. Yep. You know, send me the, send me the, the shitty shit because <laughs> it's worth more money. Yeah. Um, but you know, and that's, that's a sign of our times as well. Why, why have we created a, you know, the splinter industry of real estate litigation? Why did, why did, was there a need, right? And this came as a result of our ineffectiveness as real estate agents. Like uh, I'll tell you, I've had conversations with people who make big money in real estate, who've been in that business for, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years. And I'm having conversations and I'm like, don't tell me you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. Like, this is so real estate 101. Like, you know, you're embarrassing yourself that you don't know this stuff, right? They're like, well, no, I just never, it's like, oh, 
how have you represented yourself? How have you represented your, you know, the public in the real estate transaction without this basic understanding and knowledge? And again, maybe it's because, you know, I was shown, I had my hand slapped. We had valuable lessons, you know, that were taught to us. I mean, truly in this day, I can, <laughs> if my broker, my first broker of record was on this call, he'd say the number of times, the number of days Mr. James had to stay home because we sent him home because he was being a bad boy, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, I think there should have been a plaque on the wall. I think I had the most days sent home. Like, can you imagine David uh, uh, Gorski uh, coming in and kind of going, oh, oh uh, Mr. James isn't allowed in the office uh, for three days because uh, he said that thing by the copier and uh, he's now uh, forbidden to come in. They'd be like, screw you. Walk fast down to their office and away we go. Listen, there's a lot of ineffectiveness in this industry, right? And, you know, choice and how quickly realtors leave a brokerage is, is also um, a deciding factor here, right? Because if, you know, I were to do that, that realtor would leave in a second. Oh, yeah. And I would lose, you know, a, a revenue chunk from, from the brokerage. So you're right. I mean, you know, the, the system is broken. And, you know, I look at an industry like the law industry and I'm envious of, of, you know, the education, the professionalism, the articling, and then, you know, what a lawyer has to do to earn their stripes. You know, in the first two, three years, I mean, these guys have to, have to work 16 hour days. They do a lot of grunt work. They're under a direct supervision of, of a senior lawyer. And they have to earn their stripes to, to get to the next level. And then the process repeats, you know, then they're in charge of a junior lawyer that's, you know, doing a lot of the grunt work and they're supervising and, and overseeing. And there's, there, there's a clear path and a hierarchy and, uh, you know, the system works really well, but it starts with education. Well, and, and David Corman, I think you could speak to this. I mean, you know, that, that's a wonderful idyllic, um, scenario that David paints at this point, but you guys are seeing in the law industry, shitty lawyers, like they're out of school. Oh. They didn't do that work at this point. You're getting documentation and paperwork. And, you know, it's kind of like, Hey guys, it's June 30th. We haven't heard from you. Like what's going on? We close a deal. Where's your guy? Where are you? Right. We can't even find them. So the law industry is taking, you know, uh, it, it's got holes in it now for the first time that I've seen in a long time. Oh yeah. And David, maybe you can speak to that. Yeah, no, and, and it becomes way more apparent in these times where it's a challenge to close transactions that are, you know, perfectly papered, you know, the agents did their job, they've got a contract, but other issues come up right now, like mostly on the financing side, where we've got a problem. And now we might need an extension, or we might need to negotiate something, you know, it's not just standing in legal principles, you need a lawyer on both sides that can try and do a job properly and try and keep a deal together. So when we come across, you know, lawyers that aren't good at that, you know, like they were, they were fine in the old, in the market that we finished in, you know, six months ago where everything closed because it, it's just closing, 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 but now they got issues and they got to deal with it and, and negotiate an extension or negotiate a termination or, or something. And it, it, I hate it when we have a lousy lawyer on the other side. I want a good lawyer on the other side. I want a competent, good lawyer. I want a firm like my firm that's trying to do what we're trying, focused on trying to get it done. But we come across it a lot. There's just a lot of, of bad lawyers out there. And, yeah. and I'll tell you just something to just to, to feed off the comment that David said, you know, talking about young lawyers and they're putting in 16 hour days and things like that. The, and I agree with that. And I, I've done that. And we've got associate lawyers in our office doing that. What some of them in the current generation don't realize is they're put, yes, they're putting in a 16 hour day, but because they're young and new and everything is, everything takes time. So what they're actually achieving in the 16 hour day sometimes is what will take them only eight hours to do a year from now or two years from now, depending on what their learning curve. So it's not really 16 hours of work. It's they have to put in 16 hours to try and get eight hours of work out of it or whatever that number is. And sometimes that gets lost on the generation, the current generation. And the same thing is, you know, amongst real estate agents too, because I talk to a lot of them. Same, oh, I'm working day and night. Yeah, but are you working effectively? You're still on this learning curve. Right. You know, a lot of what you do now is going to take you a half the time the next time, and then a quarter of the time after that. And you know, and, and it, 
so you'll be more efficient but you've got to go through this process first and take advantage of those opportunities and learn and you got to put that time in that's an excellent point i think ron touched on that at the beginning of the call where he said you know at the beginning a realtor might you know just go out and show a whole bunch of properties and then you know that's not really how to do it right because you got to pivot you got to adjust you got to you know apply the hot and cold uh, test and 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 really uh, focus in on um you know what the client's looking for well i use an exercise uh with clients especially when we're we're new to each other right and i try to figure out you know can you tell me how much money you made last year so it's you know it's a hundred it's two hundred it could be a million or three million uh at this point and i'm like okay so this is how it boils down for me. If you made a hundred grand last year as a realtor, it tells me that when you're playing real estate agent, when you're having a conversation about buy, selling or trading real estate, you're worth about a hundred bucks an hour. So I want you to continue to see that hundred dollar an hour situation. I give them a visual for those that are old enough to have some reference point. It's jumping into an old taxi cab where the guy brought the arm down and it would start the meter. So the meter starts at $100 an hour. So when I'm saying this, I'm like, go make a card, go get a recipe card, write $100 an hour, stick that on top of your computer or just above it so that you see it all the time. So if I catch you spending two hours trying to make up a feature sheet on Canva, could we have found somebody cheaper than a hundred bucks an hour person, that'd be you, right, to do a feature sheet? Sure we could, like the front desk does it for 25 bucks. So why are you doing it? So I spend a lot of my time breaking down what their day looks like of efficiency to kind of go, okay, we call something the perfect week. And they put down every hour on the hour what they're doing. All right, so here's the map for a week. We try to get a month's worth of these things so they can see it. Then I basically say, let's monetize the hour. If you're doing this work, what's it worth? Right, you're a hundred bucks an hour. You just told me you made a hundred grand last year when you're doing real estate stuff it's a hundred bucks is delivering, you know, a check, hanging a sign writer, hanging a lockbox. Is that worth a hundred bucks an hour? I'm pretty sure I can get some 16 year old kid at 15 bucks an hour, minimum wage, three hour minimum, right? To go do that shit for me. So why are you doing it? hundred bucks an hour, or you're going to deliver lockboxes or dropping off checks to lawyers. Surely to God, we can find somebody that can do it cheaper. So we look at what the activities are. We look at what it's worth. We monetize each of the little squares. And then we actually, we do something called the 3D. The 3D effect is, do we have to do it, right? Can we delete this thing? Does this thing need to be in my calendar? I have it in here every Monday. I do this thing and it's a waste of time. Can I get rid of it? Oh, okay, I can't. All right, so now I'm stuck with it. So do I have to do it right now? Am I on everybody's schedule where it's like, it has to be done right now. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Well, can I do it before the end of the day? Can I do it at nine o'clock when I'm not so busy? Well, yeah, as long as it gets done, I don't care when you do it. Good, because then I'm gonna defer it to the time that it's more convenient and actually less you know, invasive to my profitability. Then the third thing is, can I delegate it, right? There's a reason we have law clerks, right? The lawyer's the golden pen. They've shown somebody how to do the work, right? But somebody not at 600 bucks an hour is doing that work. Right? I can get a clerk that's at $30 an hour to do it instead of me doing it as the lawyer. I just need to review it. I just need to see that the people I've taught to know how to do it, to know how to get it done, to know how I like it. I just look for the big X's. Yep, 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 yep. Good sign. Golden pen does it. Why can't the realtor think like that? And they're like, oh, I never thought of it like that. You run a business. There's one of you. How are you going to do all those things? You're not always making a hundred bucks an hour. And what happens by the end of the week, you've only ever earned a hundred dollars an hour three times in the week because you've been so busy with other shit. That's at $10 an hour. That's so like, true. Let's fix the problem of where your money is going and your time is going. And the business will start to have a different alignment when you're door knocking. Yep. You're a hundred bucks an hour when you're making photocopies. Not so much. <laughs> So, Ron, 100%. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to, to get back, I want to make sure we cover it, to how you hooked up with um, you and, and Kathleen, because you were, uh -huh. yes. you were a, uh, you, you were 
practicing at you know as a as a real estate agent, right? You you weren't I was, right? And then you and then you get some connection, and now you've you've pivoted. Are you still doing any actual real estate these days, or are you just doing leadership? Maybe I should ask that first. Yeah, that that's a great question, David. Thank you. Right. So where real estate, uh, my business is, I've been the typical realtor. I've had my starts and stops. I've reinvented my database probably a dozen times, probably not the most brilliant thing to do at this point, because you have something that's working and you should have protected it. That's if I could look back and have regrets, right, is the fact that I wasn't consistent on my CRM, right, staying in touch with people that know, love and trust me. So what I do end up now with is people that know me or know me from coaching or know me from, you know, my previous profession as a realtor, so to speak, and who want my advice. So what I what I do because I coach with teams, etc., you know, there really is a need for young fresh horses in the stable. If I'm selling my house, right, I can list with my buddy because he's going to give me a, a deal on the commission. And he, you know, dusts off some sign from his garage and puts it on the property, puts it on MLS. That might have worked in February. That is not the, the status quo. Like we're going to be, you know, a minimum of 38 days to 60 days to kind of market a house. And they have to work again, right? If you're the listing agent, man, you're busting your balls doing this stuff. It's hard work again. So I look at that and go, hmm, all right. Do I really want to work that hard? Maybe not. At the same time, right? There is a change in the business. Back in the day when I first started, it was on a 50-50 split. The broker did everything. They paid for the advertising. They paid for the signs. They paid for the open house signs. I didn't have to reach into my pocket. Now I do for everything. And for me, the, the anti-in can be as, you know, little as $3,500 for staging. I'm $5,000 just with all of the accoutrement I need to market a house today. And that's not even some big multi-million dollar home because townhouses are a million bucks. I need that for all of my listings. So what happens right now? Because it's not like the clapper anymore where I can just materialize an offer. I have to work for it. I run the risk if I get to the 60 day mark, possibly later that the seller goes, we're going a different direction. How do I recover the $5,000 investment? How many times can I afford to have a $5,000 investment with no, you know, no win, no bueno. So moving forward at this point, I do a lot of co-broking with other agents. So I just did a deal in Etobicoke with young, healthy feet. Man, did he work hard. I just manned the phone, <laughs> which I'm good at. So what happened was I stayed the relationship and managed the relationship with the seller in conjunction with another agent who was investing in the property, was local, um, boots on the ground. You know, I don't believe, I'm in Welland. The property was in Etobicoke. If somebody phones off the sign, I'm 90 minutes if I'm standing with my keys in my hand to get to you. Like, I can't get there fast enough. So having some local, you know, the, the guy that we worked with at this point in time, Graham Rollins, he was great. And he was around the corner. And he was incredibly knowledgeable of the market area. Right. So the seller was happy. The buyers that were prospects were happy. Graham dove right in. He was showing the thing daily, you know, sat two open houses, had a hundred people through in a week. Like he worked for his money. And it was worth it for me to have a co-broke relationship with Graham to do that. So what I am finding is that collaboration seems to be more of how I manage my business. And sometimes it's just even a direct referral at that point, going way up at this point. However, that has changed too. We all think that realtors will do everything for 25%. Not necessarily. I have realtor people that I know that'll go open a door for a hundred bucks. Sometimes, you know, David phones me and says, hey, can I get into 123 Any Street in Barrie? Yeah, let me make a phone call. And I phone my, day, my friend, you know, Bob. And Bob goes, yeah, I'll open the door. No problem. I send him a hundred bucks and Bob opens the door. My client... All he wanted to do was have access. He didn't necessarily need to know that I opened the door because he and I are going to chat about it anyway after the fact. He just needed to get in. So again, are we working smarter? That's the plan as I get older. So you did ask me about Kathleen. This is an yes. interesting story. So with Kathleen, 
I was looking at our industry and it really does have this ebb and flow. There's times where we don't need an extra set of hands, we don't need a team, we don't need a partner, we don't need an admin. And then we do. We need them all at once, all, all together, all the time. We need an admin, we need a second body because we're jammed. But we won't be in a month. So this itinerant situation, bringing people in just in time, really kind of appealed to me. And I started reaching out to the people that I knew. I must have spoke to about a dozen realtors that I knew. And I said, would you benefit from a service that did that? Oh, yeah. What would you be willing to pay for it? Uh, peanuts. Okay, well, then it's not going to work, right? If I'm paying peanuts, I literally am getting monkeys. I'm getting people that are 20 years old at this point in time that can't spell the word real estate, let alone work in it. So, right, if you want somebody good to be effective during this time, you're going to have to start paying some bigger money. So I knew that that wasn't going to be a, a solution, not a business model that would work because realtors were too cheap. So I'm like, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start coaching some real estate agents. Like, where am I going to get clients? And there's two ways of doing it. Again, we've looked at the law industry, two ways of doing it. I can hang a shingle and hope for the best and hopefully add a client a time every day. Or I can come in and kind of go, can I buy your book? Are you aging out? Tell you what, I'll buy your book over the next five years. At this point in time, I'll pay you this much money per year. You help me align your clients to be my clients, and we're both going to win. Yeah, wonderful thing. So I went to Kathleen Black, and there wasn't that many you know, companies to choose from in Canada for coaching, especially in the team coaching realm. right? And I came in to her and I said, uh, I want to buy your dead. And she's like, beg your pardon? I said, I want to buy everybody that washes out, can't afford it, doesn't want it, doesn't renew. I'll take them all. I'll take everybody that your company doesn't serve and I'll pay you for it. And she's like, well, no one's ever, no one's ever come at me, you know, with that kind of proposal. That's kind of an interesting way of coming at it. And she goes, why would they buy? Why would they coach with you? And I'm like, are you kidding? Back in the time. So I'm 36 years in the real estate business. There's nobody that knows more. I invented most of real estate. Like you can't be smarter than me. No ego problem there. How can you tell, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she said, okay, I get that. You could be a, you know, a savant out there because you don't look like you're that smart. So uh, she said, but do you have a system? Do you have an ability to take what you know and have a transference so that I can actually empty your brain into my wallet? And I said, no, I, I don't have a system at this point. She said, well, I do. And she said, I'm looking for coaches. So I tell you what, you come coach for me for two years, right? I'll help you kind of build a system and then you go do whatever the hell you want. So I thought about it and I'm like, well, you know, this is the olive branch that I was looking for. Do I take it or do I not? And no sooner did I say, yeah, okay, you got me. I'm in. And then she's like, great. I need a check for you for this much money because you're going to buy your job. And I really felt like I had just sold the family cow and the three beans in my hands. I'm like, Jesus, this better be a beanstalk. Like this better have a golden goose at the top of it. And I bet and won because it did. So the reality of this situation was when I came in with that much knowledge of real estate, I quickly learned that if I couldn't kind of transfer what was in my head into your book of business and get you to use models and systems that I actually use to make money and serve clients, right? I'm not going to be an effective coach. And now, four years later, I think I'm the, the most tenured coach that Kathleen has. That means I've just hung around longer than everybody at this point. But I've got a chance to sit at the table of, you know, people that are brand new in the business, the solopreneurs that are 60 to $65,000 a year earners. And I've sat at tables where the individual agent is making, you know, forget seven figures. They you know, they're doing it at $2.7 million GCI, just them, not including their team. I, I didn't even know that was possible. As a matter of fact, we talked about Craig Proctor earlier. I think he was the first Canadian realtor to exceed a seven-figure income, the first agent to actually generate a million dollars GCI himself. First one. W5 did a whole thing on him back in the day. It's amazing. Right? Yeah. Ron, let me ask you this question. You know, obviously there's there's a group of realtors that are struggling right now, right? Mm -hmm. What are you really seeing in the market? And and what can these realtors do today 
to get their numbers up? Well, you, you know, we talked inside this particular call about the resources that are available. If you just sat home and watched YouTube videos at this point, they're giving it away. They're giving it away. Complete instructions. Step one to step 10 to success, right? You're just not going to the right place to kind of get your education, right? Uh, Tom Ferry, I'm, I'm a big, I, you know, closeted Tom Ferry fan. I mean, I'm a coach for KBCC, but the reality is I love Tom's series on YouTube. He's got gold there and he's given it away every day. Who goes? Yeah, there's viewers, but they're already Ferryites. Well, Tom Ferryites, because there's a Mike Ferryite too. So what happens in this case is they're giving away gold. Brian Buffini does it every Tuesday. He does a podcast at this point. Wisdom, great speakers, great wisdom. I, I'm addicted, right? Maybe because I'm a coach, I'm a coaching junkie and I get attracted to this kind of stuff, but it is gold. How many professionals that serve our industry from the mortgage industry, from the legal profession, from the home inspection side, right? Even from the bureaucracy side, the political side of our business, how many of them are feeding us that, excuse me, on a daily basis? We're not paying attention to. It's that there's a thousand channels and nothing's on. We can't get them to buy in. So if I had one thing to work with with brand new people, right? Success leaves clues. Go find the clues. They've made it easy. There's footprints in the snow. Follow what somebody's done. So, so what's step one? Let's, step let's one. Give away, let's give away some, like you know, let's 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 pave a path in the dirt. What what what's step one? Yeah, I, again, it's a little self-serving, but if there is, if you can't find, you know, a peer, a mentor, then you need to buy a coach. Right. And again, the, the challenge is, is that there is mentoring that's going on. Is it the right mentoring? So I remember, and again, it can be something that is cultural, right? So I'm a brand new uh, agent, got my license from Humber at this point. I, re I come from Brampton. I am a South Asian man or woman, right? I'm looking at getting, you know, my feet wet and learning this as a craft. Where do I go? I go to people in my community that already seem like they're slaying dragons. So at the back of temple, they're going, you can get away with this and you can get away with that. And, you know, you do this and you do that. So this becomes their mantra. They follow that, you know, they eat it with a spoon. But what they've now ingested is something that's going to cause them heartache. Because you can get away with this. Thank you, CBC, for your expose on mortgage fraud, right? But truthfully, in this case, this is what they're leading from. Why? It's easy money, right? If I take all the hurdles out, I mean, uh, my wife and I, a year ago, tried to get a mortgage at this point, And I'll tell you something. I was, my head was continuously shaking. I spent 10 years as a coach and trainer inside the mortgage industry as a real estate professional. Right. And I'm looking at this going, sure to God, this is how it kind of gets underwritten. This is what's going on. And we're running into these roadblocks. And I'm speaking to mortgage personnel going, you guys are whacked. Like, when did these things change? Right. Because this isn't the way it used to be done. I know, like for a fact, I know. Right. And they're like, well, you know, this is it's kind of like it is literally no common sense lending. They're following a template. They're following a process. And it became too rigid too impossible to qualify so figure people found a way to cheat like they look at that cbc video on mortgage fraud and kind of go oh, i can't believe that's happened it's like that's been a mainstream for like 30 years i'll give you a list of names that are literally people that have truly truly lost their lives because of mortgage fraud worked with a guy guy was shot by the russian mob in the back of the head because the RPCMP was involved in an investigation on him. And you're going, this is not new, kids. People have found the shortcuts. Water will find a level and seep in. So the idea is, what's your longevity game, right? Are you in for the quick buck? Because you might be able to do that for a couple of years before they catch you, right? Before you lose your license. 
So the idea is if this is a long game, right, find better mentors, mentors, find people that don't literally kind of, you know, feed you what you can get away with, feed you with what you can know to sustain a business from now for the next 10 years, 20 years, as long as you want to do it. But it's work. It's hard. You know, I love it. There was a sign in a tattoo parlor, right? You sit down there, you're already in, you're strapped in, the guy's working on your arm, you can hear the needle going, and there's a sign right above you that says, of course it fucking hurts. Right? Like they're calling it a spade. You know, of course there's going to be work. If this was easy, everybody would do it. That's why it's called real estate. 100%. People are learning that at the speed of light because I'm sure, as David spoke about, you know, there's litigation lawyers with case files that look like this on their desk going, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> so yeah, and that's the challenge. And there's a lot of real estate agents out there that have started their career in the last you know, two to four years or something in, in a very different market than we're currently experiencing. What they don't realize is the market we're in right now is more of a normal market than that was. So they thought, oh, this is pretty good. I just got to post this. Someone's going to buy it. I'm going to get bidding offers. I don't have to negotiate agreements. There's no conditions. Best price wins. And it's going to close, right? Well, like those days are over and that's not the norm. But to some agents, <laughs> younger agents, young in the business, not, not their age, that's what they've experienced. And now it's a whole different profession that they're in. They say, oh, I've got, I got to work. I've got to learn how to negotiate. I got to learn how to draft conditions and negotiate conditions and sit across the table from someone, even if I'm doing it through, through a DocuSign process or maybe face it's a whole new world. Now they're realizing it's a great profession. It's a great industry, but now you're going to learn how to do it properly, professionally. And you need the support, you need the training, you need the mentoring, you need the coaching, and you got to get it from somewhere. You got to find a, an owner broker like David Gorski is going to make stuff available to you. You got to find a leadership coach like Ron James to make it available for you. You, you got to find something because most of them are not going to do it on, on their own. And yeah. they got to realize it's, it's hard work. Like I said, um, even people, folks, like if you're, you know, somebody that's just getting into this business and you're listening to this podcast, right? I, I'll tell you guys, I coach people that do make seven figures, right? That do things that I'm like, why are you doing this? Like I'm correcting them, right? They're not doing certain things or they're doing many, many things wrong. And you kind of go, they make a million bucks. How can wrong can it be? It's like if they didn't make those mistakes, how much more could they make? Right. Right. This is now it's like you've bulldozed your way into a certain kind of price range, half a million dollars in GCI, a million dollars in GCI. It didn't mean that you did it well. Right. It still may have a challenge with its foundation for you to be able to sustain it. Right. If you make a million dollars the first year and like 300 the next year, did you do it right? Right. So if you're trying to build on something that's got sustainability, right, you have to have a better foundation. You know, you, you just can't build it on, you know, what ifs and, oh, we got lucky. So if you think about it, too, I mean, we went through, you know, a couple of years of COVID. Well, let's look at the way that realtors made money. Lots of real estate agents, whether they were good or bad, had some of their best years ever in COVID. Well, why? Well, here's two reasons. You had no other place to go. It was work or home. There was no vacations. There was no visit with the family. There was no birthday parties. There was no weekends away. There was nothing. There was no distraction of hockey or kids ballet or brownies or anything. There was work, real estate work and home, period, full stop. And if, if home was a little bit, you know, not great, you put more time into your work, <laughs> right? So you were completely focused on your career. Well, look at the numbers that you were able to generate when you were completely focused on the work that needed to be done, right? You made a lot of money. And then as soon as they took masks off in March of this year, people were like, it's over. Now I've got brownies. Now I've got hockey again. Now I've, you know, taken the family away and we're going on a holiday. We haven't been on for two and a half years, blah, 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 blah. You took your eye off the ball and you're kind of going, what happened to my income? What happened to the units? And then the market shifted too. Oh, that was fun. So all of a sudden it's like, now I'm in a panic mode. We have a lot of people looking at the line items of where things are in their business. 
We had people that were spending money like drunken sailors that all of a sudden now are paying the piper for it. Like they're, they're paying huge penalties to duck out of contracts that they signed back when it was just easy money. So the situation is, is did we really build a sustainable business, you know, at a time when we should have been able to do it? So we do a lot of repair work. We're going back in with a lot of clients looking at their systems and what they stepped away from, right, to generate more of a sustainable business, less peaks and valleys with the income and revenue streams, right? There, there really is a system, folks. I can't, I can't tell you enough, right? Success leaves clues. There is, you know, successful agents have a system. Ron, the people that are considering hiring a coach, I mean, there's different coaches out there. There's different systems, yeah. there's different mentors. What criteria should they be using to figure out who they should be hiring, who they should be talking to, and, you know, what system will work best for them? 100%. This is like the, the CRM question. Which is the best CRM system in the marketplace? I don't know. The one you're going to use. Oh, gonna use. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't care if you use recipe cards as long as you use something. Right. Right. So the coaching situation, you're right, David. Can there be a one-size-fits-all? No. I mean, we have some dexterity at, at uh, yeah, Kathleen Black. One of the things I love about it, you know, there's six coaches at this point. We all have a unique genius. We all have a specialty, right? It's like the Avengers. We're all good at something, right? And what happens in this case is you get a little bit of a taste test of everybody, right? So if I'm working with you, David, and, you know, I realize that your need now is, you know, more supported by one of the coaches that really is an expert at this, right? I'm going to redirect you, David, the next time you're going to call, you're going to speak to Alicia, you're going to speak to Marissa at this point in time, because they're an expert at it. They can fast track you. What they can do in a month's worth of phone calls would take us three. So let's get the person who's good at this to help you with this particular next module of your training. Not every coaching company has that dexterity. We do. I'm proud of it at this point. But each of the coaching companies will have a discipline. They'll have a flavor and a theme. And you just need to know which connects with what your business wants to achieve. I've worked with clients that, you know, have come from other coaching companies. I'm always honored to be you know, the next in line, but I'm also curious at this point in time why they've gone through three coaching companies and they still haven't moved the needle in their business. Am I just going to be another number? Are they looking for something that I can't serve? There's no magic pill. So, but I would say, you know, talk to the companies, investigate them, find out really who most of them will do at least, you know, a try before you buy situation. You can take a, a session with somebody 30 minutes at this point to see if they speak your language. It makes a difference. Yeah. <laughs> Having said that, I have a few folks that, you know, when they see my smiley face on their Zoom call, they're going, really, again, this week, you? Because I'm a hard ass. Like, I'm I'm the drill sergeant coach at this point. And the only reason why, and when I, I love when I'm fighting with, you know, clients at this point, and I kind of go, you realize we're on the same team, right? So you're yelling at me and you're pushing back, but I'm only here to make your business more successful. So, you know, you know, you can be right, but I would rather you be rich. I like that. The, the one thing that always stood out with Kathleen Black is, you know, her lifestyle approach right? The whole 1%, you know, why work so hard? Why create this if you can't enjoy it? And, you know, I, I think that's something that not enough coaches talk about in their business. Right. And and I appreciate that Kathleen, you know, brings that side to coaching and, and you know, really talks about it and is very upfront and very vocal about, you know, building not only a, an amazing business for yourself, but also a great lifestyle. So you, you both gentlemen are in this situation, David, you actually have somebody that kind of run, helms the ship at the Sutton group. And I'm sure David uh, Corman, you have an office manager that, you know, that they, they're the work wife, whether they're male or female, that's just kind of the, the place they make the place go round, right? You guys need anything, you go to the work wife, right? And I apologize if that sounds gender specific, or I'm being, you know, misogynistic in the situation. I'm just trying to give you the visual of what really goes on. There is a mom and dad, right? It's not necessarily a gender thing, right? In our case, we have, you know, Stacy Green. Stacy Green is the mom. Like all of us line up, all of us have our conversations, all of us do our due diligence and accountability to mom. Kathleen is the dad. Rarely do we go to dad, 
right? Unless it gets escalated. And the reason why is because dad knows his role. Kathleen knows her role. She is our PR spokesperson. She builds the brand. She represents the brand. She speaks to the brand. She uses the brand as an attraction strategy. That is her job. She understands it really, really well. And so do we. What I have to try to get across to team leaders that are trying to do it, it's kind of like you can't be all things to all people. If you're the sniper on the team, you're the best salesperson, right? You trying to play coach as well, you probably suck at it. You make $500 an hour selling real estate and you don't want to work for 75 bucks an hour to be a coach. So don't be a coach, go hire one, right? So in your businesses, you couldn't take out the work wife, like it would just collapse. You wouldn't even know what to do. How do I turn this on? What's the password for this? Because it's not your job. And you know what? You don't ever want it to be your job. You hired the best people that you could to make sure that you never had to do that job. That everything else kind of could function so that you could do what you do best. Your genius could shine through in your company. So we train for that on a regular basis to say, hey, I know it's your team, but you made me really be the last person we want to run it. So that's a harder, you know, reality for a few folks that, but it's, I'm the team leader. I know, but you suck at leading. Right? So true. Yeah. Like the yeah. very best, the very best Royal Page manager who looks after, you know, 65 to hundred agents, a staff of 20, as far as admin at this point, they're 150 grand a year. You're making a million dollars selling real estate. Guess where I want you. I got a racehorse that brings in a million bucks. Who's trying to play a $150, $150,000 a year manager. You're on the wrong lane. Get out of your way. So when they click into that, when that kind of sinks in, the business starts to have a better trajectory. Right people doing the right jobs at the right time. And being in the right role where they have yeah. a chance to succeed, best chance to succeed. And we always like to bring our conversations back to sports just because we're we like sports and stuff. So, and I was like, it, the simple analogy was, you know, Austin Matthews might be a great at killing penalties, but they never put him out there to kill penalties because they're hoping they got other guys on the team that can do that because they want him fresh. So when he gets out there, he can score goals because nobody can score goals like he can score goals. So you got to find other guys to do some of the other jobs on the team and get guys that are really good at that, but they're never going to score a bunch of goals because you need Austin available to score goals. You need him fresh. So, and, and then who's making that decision? It's not Austin Mads, it's a coach, right? A coach has to figure out what everybody can do and put them in the best position to succeed and have the team succeed because you got all the right role players in and, and you're either gonna do that or you're not gonna do that. And the coach has to go to the GM to say, I think I need a, another penalty killer because this guy's not, we tried everything, he's not suited for it. Go find me another guy. So now everybody's got a different role and they're only going to win if everybody succeeds, including the weakest guys in the whole team. They have to succeed in their I, role. I, there's one of my favorite movies that exemplifies that, David. Thank you for that wisdom. Is the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt and Jonah yeah. Hill. Yeah. Uh, if you guys are looking for some kind of visual of what David just said, right? Like this was a team with a skinny, skinny budget and they needed some A players and all of the players that they attracted to their team were, you know, on the shit list for the whole league and they could buy them for a nickel. And the person who was the coach at the bench just refused to play them. Like he just kind of had them on the bench, had them dressed, had them show up for practice at this point, And he continued to complete continuously play the players that failed to perform to the winning status. And when they finally got rid of the coach and said, this is what you're going to do. Here is the roster. Here's the lineup, right? These very B, actually probably C players started winning games, right? So it was really looking at who your players were, finding out their energy or what we call their genius. What the hell are you good at, right? Like one of the people I first met when I worked with Kathleen Black was Dan Jemis, 
Dan did sell real estate at this point in time, but he surrounded himself with an incredibly powerful team, an amazing office manager, operations manager, and some really great salespeople that could sell Dave or um, Dan Jemis under the table. Like they were better at it than he was. He owned the team. He didn't lose the ownership status, right? And his team actually had success. They could pull 550 units out of a year's sales. That's massively impressive. That's a whole brokerage. Yep. Right. But he had the right people doing the right things at the right time. Right. He understood how to harness talent. Right. So if we can figure that out and if you're a team leader listening to this, right, first you get good, then you go and actually build a team that does better. Yep. And if you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room, right? So <laughs> you yourself with, uh, you know, with people like David Corbin and uh, and Ron James are smarter and uh, and better at you, uh, and 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 you know can can lift you up to where you need to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, guys, this is this has been a pleasure. I've been really enjoyed my my time, and I'm honored to be in the roster of 68 other dignitaries that have grace this particular stage i i thank you for uh your time and investment in us you know this has been great uh, getting to know you a little bit in your story uh, has been incredible and for uh, everybody listening uh, highly um um would encourage you to reach out to ron james and, and kathleen black and and get involved with their coaching um great systems and it's it's only going to do wonders for uh, for you and your business thank you Ron, thanks very much. You, you've Thank honored you, us by coming on and, and sharing it was I can listen to you talk all day. <laughs> it cost you. I know, I know. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that to a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Am I billing for this? Yeah. <laughs> you should be. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Great. Great weekend, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye bye now. Care.